how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Matt Leslie was involved in website design when he discovered the book Story by Robert McKee. Leslie's writing partner, Stephen Smith, was originally interested in animation when he also discovered screenwriting. In 2011, the duo teamed up to start writing professionally, which consisted of around eight spec scripts, a pilot, and a quote, a million treatments. In their new film, Summer of 84, a group of teenage friends suspect their police officer neighbor is actually a serial killer. The film stars Madman's Rich Summer, along with newcomers Graham Versetch, Judah Lewis, and Caleb Emergy. In addition to the team of screenwriters, there was also a team of directors attached to the project. RKSS, known for Turbo Kid, is made up of Francois Simard, Anak Whistle, and Jan Carl Whistle, where they work in a hive-minded mentality to direct as a trio. In the first half of this interview, we'll talk to the screenwriters, and around the 17-minute mark, we'll speak with the director's RKSS. A portion of this interview has also been published on the Creative Screenwriting website. Uh, yeah, this is Steve. So um, I got involved in it. Um, I was actually interested in doing animation first through like comic books and that kind of thing. And then realized quickly that I actually liked uh, the writing side of it better. So um, I came up, uh, I grew up in Wisconsin, um, took some fiction writing stuff there. And then came out to California to do UCLA's uh, professional program in screenwriting. I guess the the, the short version is I had a I was uh, I had a website design company um, and was doing that to make a living. And obviously, huge movie fan. And you know, but was living in Massachusetts and New York, and what didn't think this was something I could really do. And I had a friend who was just like, "Yo, check out this book, Story by Robert McKee," and then like come to his seminar with me. And uh, so I did, and kind of quickly fell in love with the craft of screenwriting, and then. Just started writing on the side while I was, uh, you know, making a living, and um, and then Steve and I kind of both made the jump to like writing together. Uh, I guess back in 2011, and uh, we've written, I guess, eight spec scripts now, a pilot, a million treatments and pitches, and uh, yeah. So it's been mm -hmm. uh, it's been a long road. So what kind of attracted you to the the horror genre? Like, what what have you written other scripts in in this format, or is this the first one? And what kind of you know, got this one in the right place to get it made. I think with this, we, we, we just kind of set out, it wasn't like we were setting out to be horror writers or thriller writers or whatever. We just kind of had this, this idea, this is back in 2014, 
to write this thing. And so we started developing it and it just kind of took shape. And we, we basically, we knew we wanted to make like, you know, the Goonies, if like it got scary or something like Disturbia, but like the real version, like if it would actually happen to these kids, like it wouldn't be a happy ending. And we wanted the kids to talk the way kids really talk. And, um, and so that's kind of what got us down that path. And then I guess getting this movie made, it getting into Sundance, um, getting some buzz has done a lot of cool stuff for our careers. And, but it's also set us down this, this path of, do, of writing horror and thrillers. So we, after Summer of 84, we wrote a movie, a script called The Harrowing, which is, um, I guess, in the vein of Rosemary's Baby. Um, and a company called Cineloo Films optioned it. So we're hoping that that gets made uh, soon. And that's like a supernatural thriller. And, and yeah, for now, I think this is just kind of um, the sandbox we're going to be playing in is, is like horror thriller. And then, you know, what's cool though, you can do, you can, you can bend it to like sci-fi thriller or sci-fi horror, or other things like that. So there's, there's a lot of stuff to play with. How do you start to, to pitch an idea like this? I mean, it reminds me of, you know, some of the Stephen King stories possibly about a group of children, but uh, was it any more difficult pitching where there's not like, you know, a lead actor to attach to so much as, as a group of kids or the difficulties there? Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is Matt again. Um, it was definitely difficult. You know, a lot of, a lot of companies have their, their business models for pre sales. So if you don't have a star like Nicholas Cage or Bruce Willis or John Travolta or, you know, the, the typical names, Ethan Hawke, like you can't get the money to make your movie. So, uh, it was definitely a big challenge. We got a lot of passes. Like we, you know, we packaged this thing. We got the directors attached, and so we had the script and the directors. This is back in early 2015, and we were, we went out with it, and we we got a lot of passes because of the fact that there wasn't like an an adult star anchor role, and um, you know, even the role that Rich Summers Rich Summer plays in our movie, it's not a huge role. You know, it's um, there's not a ton there, so so you know, it's not like you're going to get an A-list. Um, you know, crazy, like Tom Cruise or like whatever actor to play that role. Like it's, it's gotta be somebody who is, you know, who's done a lot like Rich has and who's super talented. I mean, we, we feel so fortunate that we got Rich because like that guy is such a talented actor. It's like when we had him on set, it was just like mind blowing um, how, how talented he was and how much he brought to that character. But, um, but yeah, so it, it was definitely challenging. What was fortunate though was Gunpowder and Sky they basically like saw the package. They loved the script. They loved the directors. And they just were like, we don't care. We just want to make the movie. So um, let's, uh, let's just go cast these kids and, and find ourselves a serial killer. And, uh, and then just kind of go from there. So they were very supportive of the process and, and, um, and weren't so concerned with that. Rich seems to kind of make the right, you know, quote, risky choices. He was in this film. And then like with Glow, he takes a smaller role, but they're, they're very good opportunities. So I'm reading uh, one complimentary review from Hollywood Reporter. It says, mystery-wise, the film teases viewers effectively with plenty of jolts uh, to convince the boys they're on the right track, I'm paraphrasing, but it also shows signs that they could be just making something out of nothing. How did you kind of you know, find that balance as you, as you broke down this script to, to put them on that trail where it's possibly right, possibly wrong? Yeah, this is Steve. Um... So basically what we did was when we set out to write it, we didn't want this to be kind of a whodunit type of movie. We didn't want to have a ton of red herrings. We basically wanted to live in the mind of Davy Armstrong, our main character, in that, you know, he's convinced that it's this guy right off the bat. And some of the, the danger of the movie is, you know, is he right? Is he wrong with that single target? And then him having to convince everybody, including his friends, to kind of come down this path with him. And then when we show things where 
you know, you're not sure if he's right or not. We like the idea that it's like, you know, it's Davy's tenacity and his determination to be right that keeps them going down this path and then ultimately spins them off into a dark place. After you create a story like this, what's the next step for you guys? I know uh, a lot of times it's different. Were you guys actually involved with the casting process? Were you on set some of the time? What was that like for you? So, so I, I actually, so I, my back, my background is I was a development executive for a couple different producers. I worked for a guy named Matt Alvarez who made like Ride Along and a bunch of movies with Ice Cube and some other stuff like Beyond the Lights. And we got to work on Straight Outta Compton together. And, um, and then I was working with Scott Bernstein, um, who, uh, who produced Straight Outta Compton. So uh, the reason I brought that up though is because, so uh, using the, the tools at my disposal, uh, having been a development executive, uh, I, I, I was able to produce the movie. So, um, you know, again, I, we attached the directors I attached a company called Bright Light Pictures in Vancouver. The directors are Canadian. They're Canadian. Uh, we're trying to make a play for, like, you know, t- Canadian tax incentives and things like that. Um, and then that's kind of how Gunpowder and Sky came on board. So I was a producer uh, throughout the process and was involved in casting and all that stuff. And Steve was as well. Like, I definitely looped him into everything because he's, you know, he's he's the other half of me in, in this process. And, and uh, I call him my better half. So, he, you know, I, w- I wanted to make sure that he you know, he really was involved, uh, in every step of the process. So, um, yeah, we, you know, he would see all the videos. We, we were definitely like, you know, um, talking, communicating com- constantly as we were going through the casting process. And so we worked really closely with the other producers and the directors, uh, and the, the studio exec, the gunpowder and Scott to make sure that those roles were, were cast, um, you know, in a way that we all kind of, how we all saw these characters. And I think, I mean, we, we felt super fortunate too, because it's like, we really feel like we got lucky. We didn't have a ton of money on this thing. Like we couldn't cast, we couldn't do like stranger things did like this crazy casting session for like months trying to find these kids. Like we couldn't do that. We, we actually, three of the four roles had to be like Vancouver based actors. And we got lucky and there was a little bit of extra money. We were able to cast one other, one of the other, one of the kids. So two out of the four were LA and two were Vancouver, but like we couldn't, yeah, we didn't have the scope to just kind of go and cast, you know, whatever we wanted. So, um, but like when we, when we ended up seeing these four kids together for the first couple of days, when we actually like got up to Vancouver and they got there and they were in hair and makeup and, and wardrobe and stuff, we were just like, holy shit, these, these kids are just perfect. Like they're exactly what we envisioned. Yeah. And this is Steve, um, to add on to that. Yeah. So Matt was up there for pre-production kind of location scouting and there was, everybody was gathering together and doing table reads and that kind of thing. I wasn't able to make it up until, about a week and a half into filming. And so for me, it was my first movie set, first of all, but then also like to walk in and just kind of walk onto the set and see this fully realized 1984 world was amazing. And then to see all of our, our kid actors, you know, as I met them, I was meeting them as they're like walking up to do their scenes. So they're fully in costume, fully in makeup. And it was, it was literally like meeting the characters that we had worked on for so long before I even met the actor beneath it, which was really interesting and cool. And so it was, it was neat being on set the whole time and kind of being there to work with the directors and the actors directly and, you know, kind of a, a privilege that a lot of writers don't get. Which, so it was really cool to get that. I'm always fascinated with uh, writing partnerships. Tell me a little bit about the, the logistics, like you guys actually in the room together and those kind of things. And also, uh, is there any, as you've written eight plus, eight plus scripts, is there anything you've noticed where one of you is stronger at something, one is weaker and, and a certain balance like that? Process-wise, how we do it is um, I actually live outside Milwaukee right now, and Matt lives in L.A., so we have that sort of physical obstacle also. So what we do is 
when we come up with an idea and we agree we want to work on it, um, we get on the phone late at night and we work out an outline that's very, very detailed. It can be, you know, I think usually we aim for about 20 pages, but sometimes it bleeds over. I think we had one that was close to 40 at one point. Um, and it's basically like every scene of the movie, what the beats are, very locked down. Because when we then go into the writing phase of it, we break off. And what we do is we take that outline and we di- we break it into 12 segments of the movie. And so Matt will write the odds typically, and I'll write the evens. And the sequences are about eight to 10 pages of the script a piece. And so we'll do that. We'll write our portions and then we'll flip flop and we'll edit each other's pages. And then at that point, we get back on the phone with each other for late night marathon calls of five, six hours a piece. And we'll go through every line of the script and just kind of like smooth it out together to get to a first draft that we're happy showing to our representation. I just wanted to say, like, in terms of um, strengths and weaknesses, like one thing that's, you know, Steve, Steve's a great writer, but one of the things that I, that I noticed about him that is, uh, that stands out above is that, like, he's basically got a photographic memory. So he can recall, like, if I pitch an idea, like, I like, I throw ideas at the wall and he helps me kind of like get them, you know, make, make them make sense. And like, so if I throw something out there, he'll be like, well, dude, you can't, we can't do that because the ripple effect of this tiny, this little moment in act three. And, you know, like he can recall those things instantly. Whereas I would have to like, go look at the doc and be like, Oh, uh, let me, let me think is this going to make it like, and he can just figure it out instantly. And that's, that's a huge strength to have because obviously a screenplay is literally just like set up and pay off, set up and pay off. And, you know, if you're, if you're not careful with everything, little things stop, stop making sense and you're in trouble. Yeah, and this is Steve again. So kind of like building up that, you know, like you can tell from what Matt said, like Matt's, a, Matt's our big idea guy, you know, and like he's, he comes up with so many ideas, it's crazy, and he'll just throw everything out on the table. And luckily he and I, you know, we get along really well. I don't think we've, had, we've ever had a heated discussion about anything. We're very open and flexible to each other's ideas, and I think, you know, so Matt will come up with these great ideas and then, you know, like I'll kind of like throw back, uh, you know, like he said, like, like it won't work because of the thing in Act 3, but if we do this, that wouldn't cause the ripple. And then we kind of go back and forth like that. So I think it's, it's a good system of checks and balances between us when we're writing. So what's kind of uh, possibly changed between this script and the first script in terms of your process, your understanding? Like uh, some people say, I think I talked to uh, James uh, Vanderbilt, said you kind of just need to get you know, six or seven scripts out of the way. Did you guys kind of have that experience or what's, what have you learned during this process? Steve and I, you know, we had both been writing on our own for a long time. Steve more so than more so than even me. Like he had already written a number of scripts. I had written one script when we started working together. Um, and I feel like we kind of hit the ground running in some respects. Like, you know, we the first thing we ever wrote, he called me and he was like, "Hey, you know, we've been talking about writing together." Uh, he had just moved back to Milwaukee, and he was like, "I found this contest. It's called the Scriptathon, and he's you know, write a script in 30 days or less." And he's like, why don't we give it a shot? And, you know, we kind of, he, he also had an idea. It was a rom-com, like a high-concept comedy. And he pitched it to me. I was like, yeah, cool, let's write it. So we essentially wrote it in 28 days, and we ended up winning this competition. And, you know, it was, we, we legitimately wrote it in 28 days, and, like, there were 1,200 entries. And so it, was like, it wasn't like the Nickel Fellowship, but it was like, oh, shit, okay, this is pretty, like, we've got something here. And from there, we wrote a period piece, um, Prohibition era based on a true story, like a really gritty, violent, like tale of survival um, that we, we genuinely hope one day gets made. But it's like, you know, again, it's like a 13 year old protagonist and very similar obstacles, but even even more so than with Summer of 84. Uh, but I think it's honestly like maybe our second or third best script 
Um, so, so I think we've just kind of fallen into a groove and obviously every script has flaws and, you know, not, you know, I, I don't, don't mean to sound arrogant. I think we just kind of, we just hit a, you know, we, 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 I think we know what we're doing at this point. We've been studying for a long time prior, reading every book, writing as much as we can. And when we started, when we kind of came together, it just felt like, um, it felt like the right fit and it feels like we're, we, we have similar sensibility and our strengths and weaknesses offset each other. And, um, I don't feel that's necessarily been the case for us, but I but I but I will say for sure every script we write, we I feel like it's better than the last one. Um, so there's definitely an element of like you have to have done it. It's like the outliers concept, like you have to have done 10,000 hours of writing before you're going to be really good. I think that before we met each other, we'd done a lot of those hours already. I think to tack onto that too, I, I think in terms of evolving, like I, our process hasn't really changed much since the beginning, but I think we kind of have a shorthand now between us, which has developed over time. And I think we're also much faster to, as we're outlining, kind of like see where a problem is going to happen 50 pages from now in, in act two, you know, like it's just kind of, we're, we're quicker to catch the ripples, which I think saves a lot of time in sort of like figuring out like, what is the next project you're going to work on and how do we get started and what are the beats we want to hit? You know, it's much faster to, to look ahead and be like, that's got legs for act one and a bit of act two, but it's probably going to fall apart by the midpoint. So that kind of thing I think has evolved for us. Um, I met Anouk at her birth because she was my sister. And, <laughs> and Anouk and Fasa has been a couple for more than than 18 years, so it's yeah. a family business. Yeah, also and I met in the traditional animation school, and we've all just been making like uh, amateur films for fun with our friends when we were kids, so when we all got together, it was just normal to start doing it together, and we started making like short films for a small festival in like local Montreal, and eventually just uh, got more real. Yeah. But, yeah. but at, first, at, first, <laughs> at first it was just for fun. Uh, and I don't know, we just kept that spirit of making movies with friends. And at one point we saw that uh, the public in festival uh, really liked what we were doing and it just gave us uh, more motivation to continue. And uh, at one point it became very real and uh, we didn't expect that it would actually started our career but uh it's the dream it seems like you know a lot of writers or directors might get stuck with writer's block or something like that it seems like you guys would have each other there to you know pick one another up if there ever is that or ever are those moments where you're kind of slacking for whatever reason has that kind of been the case yeah 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 totally yeah whenever there's one of us that's less motivated or that has less yeah totally we we just uh kick each other's butts, if I can say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lovely. Like, with, with, made with love. Mm -hmm. A good kick out of love. Yeah, because we always get, oh, three directors, it must be difficult. But we did learn to put our ego on the side and uh, uh, to be able to, to, to make it. And uh, for us, like, it's already hard making movies and working in this business. And to be three on the front and go to war together is the best. Yeah, and I think also like when we write a script or when we get ideas, it's just we challenge each other, so I think that... It that's, makes everything better. Yeah, hopefully it does. <laughs> and I, I, I think 
like to take on what Franco was saying, ego is your worst enemy if you're trying to make a good film. Like, if somebody comes to you and has a good idea, but if you have too much ego to put it in, then you're hurting the film. Everything should be for the good of the film. Everything you do should be for the good of the film. The goal is to make a good film. Yeah, and I could add that we're very inclusive, so we want our set to be a big family. Yeah. So I see uh, you guys kind of start with a series of shorts. You realize, based on the crowd reaction, you decided to kind of go full-time. How did you make that jump? Um, it looks like you made a short version of, of Turbo Kid and then later did the actual film. How, how did you kind of make that transition and get the, get the funding and everything else there to make the full feature? Uh, we're pretty lucky because uh, we made, actually, we made T is for Turbo, which is a short version. Uh, for the the first uh, the first edition of the ABCs of Death contest, when they let the letter T open to the public for the for the um, anthology, and uh, we came out first from public choice uh, at the contest, but uh, we didn't get into the anthology because the the jury didn't pick us up. But the producer of uh, one of the producers of ABCs of Death and Timson, he contacted us like two days after after the winner were announced, and he just said like, oh, "Too bad, like it was so close, but do you guys want to turn this into a feature?" So at the end, we kind of won something better than just being in the anthology because we and just championed us and uh, we wrote a script like within less than a month, I think, and we're working full-time at our day jobs. And just to get into the first uh, edition of the Frontier Fantasia market in Montreal, because Ant wanted to, to find the Canadian producer to do a co-production New Zealand, Canada. Canada. And um, that's when we met with Anna Hijina, which was the, the Canadian uh, producer, and we just made Turbo Kid. And It's at that moment when we got green light for Turbo Kid that we could all just leave our day job and do this full time. So it was really a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. and I, we knew with the, the short film that we, we had a, a cool concept. It was, it's basically Man Max, but uh, on BMX. It would fit the budget. And, uh, but it's only that. It's only a fight scene. And we knew that uh, we needed to have some heart, and we wrote that very cute love story in the middle of this violent world. And for us, we, we knew that uh, if people would care for the characters, then they would follow them everywhere they go after that. How did you kind of you know, figure out how to do some of the action scenes? Did you go back and watch the older movies and... Like a lot of those where the camera's on the blade or something like that as they're, as they're shooting and things. How did you kind of, do you have to figure those things out like step by step, I guess, to make the full feature? Uh, yeah. I, everything we do, uh, we try to storyboard everything. Uh, we, we love doing that and have the, the rhythm and the, the dynamics. And yeah, we, we had some, uh, uh, we love to pay homage to the movies uh, that we love from our childhood. So yeah, we did some. Uh, on purpose, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's uh, we, we wanted to keep our style. Uh, we were, how can I say, we're a huge fan of uh, early Peter Jackson movie and Sam Raimi's, so uh, we, we love that quick editing style, and that's what we wanted to do. So tell me a little bit about the, the writing process. You guys wrote this movie together in a very short period of time for Turbo Kid. Um, 
Do you, are you just in a room together as one person typed and the other two are kind of shouting in ideas or what's kind of your process for that? Uh, we all come together with the, each of them comes with their own brainstorm and uh, I actually will be sitting at the computer and typing everything in and we just like we jam out of all out of each other's uh, ideas and just uh, and we live brainstorm and yeah. we act out scenes and we do all of it in the same room. Yeah, it's actually when we write, it's actually the only time in the movie process that we fight. But we haven't fought in a long time, like real that's fight true, fight. So it's either a good sign or a really, really bad, bad sign. <laughs> but it's behind closed doors, so that's only us that see it. So it's uh, it's private. private <laughs> Nobody sees it. Yeah. Because when we're on prep and when we're on set, there's no fighting. We're all very, uh, yeah, civil and structured. <laughs> and I guess uh, for uh, for brainstorming, it's uh, like I said before, it's a uh, it's a matter of putting your ego on the side. And when you when you pitch an idea, it's not yours. It's not your idea. It's just an idea, and we all have to pick the best one. Yeah. And we never do go into also into. Uh, vote like we don't say like oh who likes that idea and who doesn't like it it's like we the three of us have to really be agree on that in order to be in the, in the script it's interesting and it seems unusual but it's not far from like you know a writer's room and, and, and for television or something like that in some ways so, so you wrote the script for Turbo Kid um, how did you kind of find the script how did you decide to also you know for Summer of 84 make a movie that you didn't write what kind of uh, led you onto that, this film. It was really by chance because we met with one of the writers. Uh, we were in LA for the LA premiere of Turbo Kid in 2015. It was really by chance that we met with uh, one of the writers. Uh, it was Matt Leslie, and he was a huge fan of Turbo Kid, and he had this passion project uh, he's been kind of imagining with his um, his friend uh, Stephen G. Smith, and he just pitched it the idea to us. And it just felt like the, this idea would, could that come from us as well. So uh, he was very passionate about it as well and was kind of contagious. So, but, uh, yeah, it was all the kids' fun thing and also the shift into the, the very dark ending that we really loved, and we just decided to do it. And we received the first version of the script, and we just were – our mind was were blown. Like, it was – we felt so connected to it that – uh, it wasn't hard for us to just decide, like, oh, this is not us who wrote it, so because it could have been us, so it, it felt natural. Yeah, as long as we're passionate about the story, so that, that's what we uh, we tell ourselves. And uh, also, we had a lot of filmmakers, friends, that told us to not wait too long and not put uh, all the eggs in the same basket. So we we had several projects in development, and Summer happens to be one of them, and it, it's the first one that got the green light. And we were very happy because uh, we didn't want to do the same thing over and over again, and uh, this project could uh, be a good uh, chance to, sure, to show our range and uh, what we can do. Actually, I spoke with uh, Matt and Steven yesterday, and they were telling me a few things. Um, they mentioned you know you have a, a lot of time to find this this great cat, young great cast and I think you shot the film in about 21 days when you're shooting with um, kids obviously they can't be on set all day what was that like and how did you kind of 
go about creating that schedule to get get everything done so fast? <laughs> the schedule was complicated. It would move every day, and it was a very complex puzzle because of all the rules around kids. Um, it was not easy, and the turnaround and the how late they could work and everything. It it made everything complicated. It also was an ambitious project for the for the time we had and the budget we had. So that was also yeah. It was the main the main challenge that in time. But uh, thank God, like you said, the. It was a long casting process, but it was worth it because uh, those kids, those four kids are so good and they were so professional and uh, sometimes we only had time to do two takes and they would nail it the first time. So, uh, yeah, we're very grateful to have them and they, they, they made it work. What was the biggest challenge? Was it possibly just, you know, deciding when to, okay, that's good enough, let's go to the next scene? Or did you, you know, do you all, you all sit there behind the monitor, however you do it, and decide, like, when, when you actually have it to move on to the next thing? Uh, we, we talk a lot behind the monitor among ourselves to, to see when, when we move on and everything. Um, I think the decision is still made pretty quick because we all, we're all, like, we all split on set, but we still like, like uh, Jan said, we still talk to one another. But it's like when we know we have it, we have it. Like it's uh, yeah, it's obvious. Like <laughs> and, and we we share a brain, we share that weird hive mind. So we we know, we know already. Yeah, and at, at some point it was clear that oh, it's gonna be like Turbo Kid. We can. Uh, we're, we don't have the luxury to take our time and do uh, tons of takes and to explore. So we we were like, I think Turbo Kid was great because it uh, it gave us a lot of confidence that we would we we, we could uh, make the day work and uh, to have three brains to find creative solutions. And yeah, I think. Uh, in the end, it was hard. It was a tough shoot, but we were able to do it off. Yeah, to to do miracles every day. We're the miracle department. It sounds like for you guys, it was just kind of an obvious thing to to start working together. But if if someone's listening to this, maybe a novice novice filmmaker, and they're debating on whether to start a partnership with another director or something, what advice might you have for them to, to decide if that's the right idea or not? I think it works for us because we're best friends. Um, if you want to start a partnership, make sure it's with somebody that you absolutely love and you're going to, like, we hang out together all the time. There's not a day that goes by that we don't at least call each other. That, and it's been that way all our lives. We, live, we used to live together. So if you want to start a partnership, you have to have that time of connection with that person. I don't think it's just, if it's just a friend, I, I, I don't know if it, it would work. Yeah, because it can either work magic, a collaboration like that, or it can also be hell. If you don't have the right partner, it's just... Because we've been doing yeah. it like this for more than 18 years. So make sure you have the same, I guess you have the same kind of common vision and same goals on what you want to achieve with your career and everything as well. Mm -hmm. And just make sure that you're able to put your egos aside 
and to listen to one another and create together. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.